Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Hello again. We're back uh, here in Matthew chapter 16. Steve Wilson here, still going through the book of Matthew. I hope you have been enjoying what we have been talking about, I, and I hope it's been a benefit to you. So anyway, here we are. Chapter 16, we are we went through verse 20, so we're beginning um, on, in this segment on uh, verse 21. Jesus, of course, is still talking to his disciples, and I want to add or interject it. It's still to his disciples alone. In other words, it's his church. This, this is being addressed to his church. He just told them that he's going to build his church. He's going to build it on the principle of, uh, of believing in Christ uh, as the Son of God. Um, and that the church was going to be teaching that message. So he kind of goes into just briefly here uh, a little more in depth regarding that, and it's because um, of all the people who need to understand the death, burial, and resurrection, it is his local church because that's the message we're going to be sharing. That's the message, I don't I mean to say we're going to be, we will be in the future, but we have in the past and, and still do, and then will continue to share the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have to get that right. It's vital that we get that right. If we get everything else wrong, we at least have to get that right. Now, I mentioned at one time in the past that, you know, in, in my travels and whatnot, I've run into uh, a lot of people of a lot of di- different denominations who share uh, different doctrinal beliefs than what I believe. Um, but I have learned that many of them do believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and have put their faith in Jesus Christ. So, you know, I, 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 I've gotten to know them, and, I, and just based on their behavior, the things they, they talk about, and so on, you can fairly well or pretty much ascertain whether or not they're saved. And so I've determined there's a lot of people with a lot of strange beliefs that truly are born-again believers in Jesus Christ. They've just been taught incorrectly. So a lot of different so-called churches, or institutions for that matter, um, teach the principle of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So church certainly is not the only place where you can hear that message and be saved, but it is the primary place where people hear that message and are saved. The vast majority of people that are born-again believers in Jesus Christ got saved in a church of some type. Um, now, we don't have statistics, but, of course, I believe the Baptist Church is the church that Jesus built. And I think probably the number of people saved in the Baptist Church would far outweigh um, any other church. I don't have statistics to prove that, as I said. I just happen to believe that. You can believe what you want. But 
the point is that if we truly are the church that Jesus built and he's laying that foundation within that church way back when he was still here on earth, it would only make sense that the, the, the method that he chose to preserve the teachings of Jesus Christ would be within his church and would likely have the greatest result, the, the, the highest impact. So anyway, verse 21, it says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples, remember I said his disciples now, how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, be raised again the third day. So he mentions four different things there, four different elements with regard to the... Uh, death, burial, and resurrection, he, he had to go right into the teeth of, uh, of the opposing forces, you know, right where the sinners were, right where the, the Pharisees and Sadducees and so on, that, that, was, that was their hub of influence in Jerusalem. Um, and he had to suffer based on the things that they taught. Um, and then he said he was going to be killed and then he was going to be raised the third day. So that's four things. But, you know, that speaks to the life that we live, too. Um, our job is to go into a sinful world. we got to find sinners where they are. And we got to tell them about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact that it is the only means of salvation. There is no other way. Um, Jesus Christ said that he was, his name was the only name that was given to men. And it's the only name that could give us salvation. It's only through him that we can be found. So, you know, he's, he's telling his church, you have to get this right. Okay, so pay attention. And he mentions it again later. But um, he wants his church to know what's coming. And he know, wants them to know what to look for so they learn properly. Notice what happens in verse 22. And, uh, an interesting thing here. Peter says, then Peter took him, began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this, is, this shall not be unto thee. Peter, who Jesus just got through talking to and, and laying out to him and sharing with him the basis of the church that he was building. Um, Peter, whom the Catholic Church seems to think was the first pope, that's false, but... You know, they think he's the first pope. Not only do they think he's the first pope, but they think pope's infallible. Now, that's interesting, or that's something that needs to be paid attention to here, because if Jesus indeed told Peter that he was the first pope, if he told Peter that the th things that he would proclaim would be bound in heaven, as, as they believe those verses say, if that's actually the case, then here we have an infallible person who is the head of the church who is denying or defying what Jesus has just said. Jesus just told me, he says, I, I have to go to the cross. I have to be killed. And I have to be I have to be risen the third day. And Peter is denying that, all right? He's denying the very basis of salvation. He says, there's no way. I'm not going to let you do that. Peter is trying to prevent salvation here. And Jesus' response 
shows how critical this is in verse 23. Says, but he turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. I mean, he's telling Peter, look, what you're saying is an offense. Couldn't be more wrong. You can't, pro you can't prohibit or, or, or cause not to happen. You can't defeat the very essence of salvation. Christ had to come. Christ had to die. Christ had to be risen the third day. He had to pay our sin, pay our sin debt, and yet Peter is trying to prevent that from happening. Well, isn't that what very often happens with mankind when we start trying to interject our own teachings, our own deductions, our own conclusions into the things that Jesus Christ taught? Um, you know, and I, I guess I seem like I'm picking on the Catholic Church, but there are so many things that they teach. And they claim that everything they teach is based on Scripture, and yet so many things they teach are diametrically opposed to Scripture. For instance, infant baptism. There's, there's no um, example anywhere in Scripture where infants were baptized for salvation. The only time people were baptized in Scripture was after they professed Christ as their, uh, as their Lord and Savior. After they became born, became born again believers in Jesus Christ, they then chose to be baptized because Christ had commanded his servants, his church, to go ye therefore and baptize. And so people recognized the necessity of salvation at that point. Well, a child has no ability to do that. Um, and, and in fact, you know, they, their belief, of course, is that baptism is what saves you, which is another teaching that is diametrically opposed to Scripture. Baptism has absolutely nothing to do with salvation. It has everything to do with obedience. And so um, there are so many things that are taught within the Catholic Church that are, that are um, wrong, that are just uh, against Scripture. And yet here we have Peter, who they supposedly claim to be the first pope, being rebuked by Jesus Christ as combating the very essence of salvation doesn't sound very much like an infallible pope to me. Um, so then, in verse 24, well, let me, let me get back to that. You know, we need to be very careful how far we go with Scripture. I know there are things that Scripture teaches, and we can log make logical deductions from that. I'm not opposed to that. That makes perfect sense. But you have to make sure that your logical deductions line up with Scripture. Otherwise, they just be, become concoctions of man, like Peter was doing here. Peter thought he was doing something for Christ, thought he was defending him. And when in reality, he was combating salvation. Verse 24, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come to me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You know, there, we all have uh, burdens that we're going to bear during the course of this life, um, especially if we serve Christ. You know, he went to the cross. There's no reason for us to believe that we won't suffer also or that we won't uh, end up being persecuted as a result of being followers of Christ. We, you know, if we're going to be like Christ, then we're going to be like Christ in every way. And the world is not going to like it. Satan's, I mean, 
you know, this is a spiritual battle. If, you know, we see in Ephesians 6 where it talks about that, um, that, um, you know, we're, we're, we're fighting that, that uh, battle in a, in a celestial realm. So um, we're going to be confronting Satan. Well, it's to be expected that, indeed, we're going to suffer. He's going to fight back. He's, he's not going to let it go unnoticed. And, and so we're going to have a cross to bear. Just as Jesus had a cross to bear, we'll have a cross to bear. Maybe it won't be as violent or as bad as the cross that Jesus uh, bore. On the other hand, it might be. There are so many times that people around the world have been persecuted and killed and, and tortured even for the cause of Christ. And there's no reason to believe because man never really changes. His heart never really changes. There are evil people in this world, and given the opportunity, they would absolutely uh, torture and maim and, 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 you know, do things to us, do unspeakable things to us simply because we believe in Jesus Christ. And that's because they're sold out to Satan. They're serving him. So if we're going to serve Christ, we need to be ready to give everything. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And then he says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Folks, there's, there's nothing like salvation. There's no joy like salvation. There's nothing in this world that is worth sacrificing or foregoing the salvation that Jesus Christ has given you. Um, whatever you do during the course of this life, understand that Christ died to pay the price for every sin you've ever committed, you're committing now, and here's the important part, that you're ever going to commit. So many people teach that you can lose your salvation and you know, there are two teachings about that. One says you can just simply decide to forfeit your salvation. Or you can commit some sin and lose your salvation. Well, the committing of a sin <clears throat> couldn't possibly lose your salvation because that sin has already been forgiven. And if you've accepted Christ into your life, what he did on the cross paid for all the sins you're ever going to commit. So it makes no sense that you commit a sin to lose your salvation because that, salva that sin has already been forgiven even before you've ever committed. Of course, the other side of the coin is they claim that you could just simply, you know, fall into sin and decide that you no longer want to be saved, that you, you just, you know, you give it up. Basically, you renounce your salvation. Well, um, we're saved by the faith of Christ. I don't have time to get into all of that right now, but it's the faith of Christ that is, that is transmitted to us when we, uh, when we express a willingness to trust in Him, to believe in Him. And so He gives us the ability to, to then do that. Well, if it's the faith of Christ that saves us, then the faith of Christ will never fail us. Um, we can't give up that which Christ has authored. It's His faith that saves us and maintains our, our salvation. So it's ridiculous to say that His faith could actually decide that we no longer want to be saved. 
you know, I'm, I'm just real brief on that. And, you know, there's a whole nother teaching with regard to that. But um, bear in mind, there's nothing in this world that's like salvation. There's nothing as great as salvation. Understand that Christ died for you. You need to put your faith in him and know that he will keep you and bind you and hold you and give you a home in heaven. All right, we've reached the end of our time, so um, tune back in with us. We'll pick up on verse 27. Thank you. God bless.